as I was making a comment earlier, it's still a great feeling to know that we have 15 children in our services last Lord's Day, and it was just it was a wonderful blessing. But we had 36 all together, total, and that was even a greater blessing. So I do want to thank everybody. I heard someone else talking on this subject this morning, and I'm going to use some of their material, but it, it got me to thinking and got me to reading the book. And I really hadn't read it, went to it and got some uh, closest uh, passages from But have you read the book of Ezra? Well, I encourage y'all to read that when you get a chance this morning. I'm going to be talking to you out of the book of Esther. book of Esther turned out to be one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. It's one that if you go to to get a passage out of it, you get so wrapped up in the plot and everything you know that you pretty much read the whole book before. You even find what I was looking for. But another thing is that it really didn't dawn on me, but it said that uh, God's hand of providence and protection on behalf of his people is evident throughout the whole book of Esther, though his name does not appear once. And it just shows us there are so much lessons and everything. I know we did the book of Ruth. And the lesson we got out of it the last couple of days. This one I want to talk to you about is, is the book of Esther. And it's not a very long book. It's very compelling and very interesting. The book of Esther centers around four main characters. First of all, Ahasuerus, king of the Persian Empire. Esther, who is also called Hadassah is a Jewish maiden who becomes queen of Persia in part due to her great beauty. And her other name, Hadassah, I think it's translated as Myrtle. But anyway, uh, Mordecai, who is Esther's elderly cousin, who raised her from childhood after her parents had died, and he became noticed by the king when he discovered and pulled a plot to kill the king. And then, of course, it's going to include Haman. Haman was an up-and-coming man who recently promoted to the chief of all of the king's governors, or princes as they were called. One thing that got me thinking on this is when we think of prince, we think of someone who was blood relative to the king. Was well, not the case in this circumstance. And it kind of got me interested a little bit into it, so I got to read it. First, I want to get into the story of Haman, and then I want to look at some of the lessons that we can Yes, them. Esther, uh, start in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Esther, chapter 3, start in verses 1 through 5. And these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamedadah, the Ag Ag Agagonite, and advanced him and his city him seat above the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reversed Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did, nor did he reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did he reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. <clears throat> Unlike all 
the others around at this time. Mordecai refused to pay a homage to Haman as he moved through the streets. Now when Haman sent men to find out why, Mordecai simply told him, it was because I'm a Jew. Perhaps, perhaps it was because Mordecai knew the, the character of Haman and would not show respect that he did not uh, feel. We see over in Proverbs 12 and 8. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 8 tells us, And a man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Perhaps it was because Mordecai saw the homage was too close to worship. But anyway, Haman became furious. But not just for Mordecai. Mordecai said that he would not bow because he was a Jew. Therefore, Haman reasoned that all Jews were troubled. Haman then proceeded to wipe out all the Jews of the Persian Empire. Now, over in, uh, going on down in Esther chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the providence of that kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all the people. Neither keep they the king's law. Therefore it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasure. We see here that Haman proposed a law to exterminate a rebellious people from the kingdom. He even offers to pay the expenses of those who are going to take out the, the execution of, and the removal of these people. And then we see that the king agrees, but he tells Haman that he did not have to pay for the execution. Rather than being bothered with details, he gives Haman his signet ring to use on the orders. It would be similar to signing a blank document. And Haman was able to write anything he wanted to on it, pretty much. The order went out that 11 months from them, in the last month of the year, all Jews were to be killed. Now Mordecai manages to tell Esther of the plot and pleads that she intervene on behalf of her people. However, we're told that Esther hesitates. The law did not allow, she knew that the law did not allow for anyone, even the king, or even the queen, to walk in before the king uninvited. And it had been a month since she had last seen the king. But Mordecai gives a significant warning to Esther. In Esther uh, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. When it says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. But if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then we see that Esther changes her mind. She gives that she relents. She will see the king, even if it means her life. And as she prepares, she asks the Jews to fast and pray for three days, that the Lord may grant her success. Esther did appear before the king, and he accepts her appearance. He perceives that she's troubled and offers her anything she desires up to half his kingdom. <clears throat> Yet all she asks is for the privilege, the honor of having the king 
and Haman over for dinner. Now at the dinner, he again asked what is troubling her and again offered anything up to half his kingdom. Again, all she asked is the king and Haman to come to dinner the next day and then she would tell the king what was troubling her. And you can imagine here, Haman is on top of the world. Not only is he chief of the prince, but he had received not one, but two personal invitations to dinner by the queen, of which only him and the king were attended. He's on top of the world. But on his way out from the first dinner, he sees Mordecai at the gate. We see over in Esther 5, verses 9 through 14. Then went Haman forth that day, joyful, and with a glad heart. And when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, then he stood not up, nor moved. Front for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he went. He sent and called for his friends, and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches, the multitude of his children, all the things wherein the king had promoted him. And now he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, yet Esther, the queen, did let no man come in with the king into the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh his wife, and all his friend unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king, that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go out thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet, and the thing please Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. <clears throat> but here's where God's going to intercede again. That night, the king had trouble sleeping. So he had the records of the kingdom read to him, perhaps to help him fall asleep. But the account, then the account of Mordecai saving the king was read. And the king asked, how was Mordecai rewarded? He was embarrassed to learn that nothing was done for Mordecai. So he sent for the first prince who could be found to help him plan a suitable reward. Prince just happened to be Haman, who was coming to seek permission to hang Mordecai on the gallows. See how this story is getting you so entangled once you read it, you're going to keep right on until we get to the end. So we see that <clears throat> Esther now, Esther chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, what shall be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? And Haman answered the, uh, the king, For the man whom the king delight to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rides upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the kings, most noble princes, that they may array the man with, uh, with uh, whom the king delighted to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighted to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew, that sitteth at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. 
can you see the expression on more on Haman's face? He was on top of the world, just knew he was getting all this, and he was landing on it, and then it was smarty cow. It's like my, you, that commercial you see where the kid, their two boys are getting a sandwich, and uh, they want a half it, so the mama tells them one half that the other one picks, the side that they want. Now Haman thought he was going to get the best of everything, but then it was to his worst person problem. <clears throat> How embarrassing, instead of seeing Mordecai hung, Haman personally parades him through the street. He barely has time to recover before it's time to go to the banquet with the queen. Now here Esther finally tells the king what is troubling her. <laughs> Esther, in cha Esther chapter 7, verses 3 through 6. It says, Then Esther the queen answered and said, if I have found favor in the sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at the petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, to be perished. But if we have been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I have held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst? presume in his heart to do so. And Esther said, the adversary, the enemy, is as wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. <clears throat> the king is so angry that he storms out into the palace gardens. Meanwhile, Haman realizes that Esther held his life in her hands, stayed behind to plead with Esther. He must have had a little too much to drink. For in his plea, he stumbles and falls on Esther. Just as the king returns from the garden. Esther chapter 7, verse 8 and 10. Then the king returned turned out of the palace garden and unto the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was falling upon the bed wherein Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the, king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gala fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hung, hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. <clears throat> Mordecai had promoted to replace Haman. And Haman's plot to kill the Jews is full. The Persians did not allow a law to be rescinded, but they could be added to. The law went out allowing the Jews to defend themselves without retribution. The Jews, of course, trumped over their enemies because they had God backing them. Now, the lessons I want to learn from this right here is, first off, Haman's pride brought him low. We see it over in the book of Proverbs 29, 23. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Pride goes before the fall. In Mary's song, perhaps she remembered this very story over in the book of Luke, of Luke 1, 51 and 52. Luke 1, 51 and 52. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of the hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Haman took offense where none was given. He sought vengeance for his imagined wrongs. From the time uh, children are young, there is the idea that if you hurt me, I'm going to 
hurt you back. Romans 12 and 17 tells us we never return evil for evil. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 tells us return blessings for evil done. We see in Leviticus 19 and 18 tells us that the hardest thing to do is to stifle the desire for revenge. When King Aramaeus wanted to capture Elijah, God struck the army with blindness. We see over in 2 Kings 6, 18-23, where Elijah prayed and asked them to be blinded. Then when they were blinded, he carried them to go lead them out. And they him, he led them in and they prayed. They got their eyesight back to find out they were actually in Syria. And we see the king of Israel asked him, well, what do we do here? Do we kill them? And Elijah tells them, no. We set food and drink before them. And we take them back to their master, which they done. They gave them food and drink and carried them back to the master. And it said that there was war with them no more. But the disciples had the disciples even had to learn the same lesson over in the book of uh, Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. Another lesson we learn here is Haman spread his hatred to those who were innocent. God's people has always been attacked. Christians Persecuted, as we learn in Revelation and several other places in the Bible. Psalms 83, verses 1 through 5, also uh, 13 and 18, tells us that God will overcome. Another lesson is Haman could not let his hatred go. Has someone ever said something to you, done something to you, just bothered you, and kept right on bothering you? The thing that always pops in my mind is this is something that Brother Clay told us, and I think it might have been Sister Sanders. Now, if you believe, tell us about when we drink poison, waiting on the other person to die. All we do is hurting ourselves when we sit here and let all the beat out of us. Forgive them, get it right, and get on. We just got to let it go. Some are so focused on harming their enemies that they cannot see the harm that they're doing to themselves. Harm intended for others often backfires. The advice is to settle it privately instead of bringing others into the problem. Someone does you wrong, don't just run out telling everybody about it and, and woe with me, uh, Sentham. We need to go to that person. We need to try and work it out and get things straight and everything. Ephesians chapter 4, 25 and 27. Four, Ephesians 4, 25 and 27 tells us that. You know, the longer that we hold anger, masking it with lies, the longer we give Satan an opportunity to tempt us into sin. The Lord knows how to keep his people. We see in 2 Peter 2 and 9. 2 Peter 2 and 9, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Just because God don't strike them down right then don't mean that they won't get their punishment on judgment. <laughs> The other thing is that all things will be manipulated <coughs> to the good of God's people. Romans 8 and 28. Romans 8 and 28 tells us, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Then we see over in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 15, tells us that godly people will be persecuted. The wicked will get worse. However, we must remain faithful. So this morning I'm telling that I hope these lessons you enjoyed a little bit of the book of Esther. I encourage you to go back and read it. And the lessons that we learned from it. 
this morning if you need to be baptized and become a child of God. Maybe you've already become a child of God, but for some reason, maybe your hatred has slipped into your heart. The devil has put something in and you stirred off from the way that God has told us to go. You need the prayers and the encouragement of the congregation to help you get your life straight. We ask you whatever you need may be. Take that step. Come just as you are. And we stand to sing our song of invitation. Just.